You're listening to the Healthcare Innovators Podcast. Welcome, everyone. This is the Healthcare Innovators Podcast, and I'm your host, Travis Good. Today, we are honored to have Dr. Naomi Freed as our guest. I can't think of anyone who has worked longer in healthcare innovation than Naomi. She was Biogen's first VP of Innovation, uh, Medical Information and External Partnerships, where she developed their innovation beyond the me- uh, molecular strategy. Naomi was also Boston Children's Hospital's first chief innovation officer, where she built the Innovation Acceleration Program to enhance the innovation culture to accelerate innovation and care delivery. And prior to that, she was a VP of Innovation and Advanced Technology at Kaiser Permanente, where she led an effort to identify and assess new and emerging healthcare technologies. She's now the CEO of Health Innovation Strategies, which provides digital health strategy and innovation infrastructure consulting to healthcare stakeholders, including pharma companies, and providers. Today, we're going to talk about how digital health companies can help pharma innovate faster. Welcome, Dr. Freed. We're delighted to have you on our program and look forward to your take on this aspect of healthcare innovation. Thank you, Travis. It's a pleasure to be uh, joining you today. Well, again, we we really greatly appreciate your time. Um, So we're going to jump right into the questions. Uh, I'd like to start our discussion with how pharma views innovation, pharma life sciences. Uh, do you feel that pharma sees innovation differently than how a hospital would view innovation? And if you do see it, dif- if they do see it differently, how? Wow. Well, that that's a really interesting and uh, complex question. Um, I think I would first say that innovation plays a different role for pharma and providers, where pharma companies usually see themselves as being in the business of innovation because they make new drugs, and they really succeed in their market based on innovation. So from the pharma perspective, innovation is actually a core competency uh, for them. Hospitals, on the other hand, see their core business as care delivery, taking care of patients, and they measure their success by the quality of care they deliver and the patient's outcomes. So that being said, you may be wondering how pharma and providers think about innovation and how they deliver their products and services, sort of how do they internally innovate. I think pharma is interested in new technologies and mechanisms to develop drugs and potentially connect with patients, but it's not really part of their core competency. So as a result, um, within pharma, um, I'd say that new business innovation, again, not product innovation, is adopted more slowly. Um, The exception, I would say, is when pharma sees an opportunity to innovate in actual drug development. And um, since time is money, uh, when it comes to bringing new drugs to market, pharma does uh, pay attention if there's something that will actually lead to quicker drug development. I think um, digital health, which is a really important innovation occurring now in healthcare, where we use digital tools to bring new value to to patients, is is a new form of innovation for pharma. And I'd say generally that pharma is dipping their toes into the water around digital health uh, for for patient care because they don't always see the direct benefit to them immediately in terms of selling uh, more drugs. Um, I'd also add that um, they are um, maybe concerned about overstepping regulatory boundaries when innovating in how they connect with patients. Um, They're always paying attention to restrictions uh, around how they can speak to patients and doctors. And so I I think that there's some um, reticence on their part. So I, I would sort of summarize pharma's approach to internal non-product innovation as slow and cautious. 
Um, culturally, I think there are many uh, within pharma that want to continue doing things the way they've been doing them historically. So there's some barriers to overcome there. Providers, on the other hand, are generally not as familiar with the idea of innovation. Um, there are some that are eager to embrace it, and we see sort of the most significant appetite for innovation, usually uh, among the academic medical centers, where they're oriented toward testing new ideas and doing research. Um, compared to pharma, providers tend to have fewer resources to put toward internal innovation. But I think when it comes to testing and implementing patient-facing innovations, um, particularly new digital health tools, I think providers generally move more quickly. Um, they're closer to the patient. Um, they have fewer regulatory barriers to navigate around. And so they tend to actually more, be more likely to sort of jump in and try things. Um, so to sum up, I'd say when it comes to digital health innovation for patients, hospitals are probably actually a little bit ahead of pharma. That's actually one of the most interesting summaries I've heard or, or differences I've heard in terms of, you know, sort of the cultural setup and the business model, um, you know, for, for, for pharma or life sciences versus providers. But then uh, still, despite that, uh, when it comes to digital health, specifically thinking about sort of all these new healthcare technologies, providers, just because of regulatory and, and proximity to the patient and other issues, you know, maybe moving a little bit faster. Um, it's really interesting. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, technology development, um, either sort of internally versus vendor development, specifically within pharma or life sciences. Um, so overall, how does the pharma industry view the two different paths towards innovation and digital health, really specifically looking at internally developed tools versus you know, acquisition of vendor tools? So I think that, um, you know, pharma companies are generally smart and also opportunistic, meaning they'll go the route that makes the most sense for them when deciding whether to develop internally or partner with an external vendor. And you really see this on the drug development side. They do both internal research and also partner with small companies developing new molecules and sometimes they even buy those companies, um, you know, they have very well-developed research and development groups, and they also have strong business development teams out there scouting for partnership opportunities. But I think the difference between drug development and digital health is that digital health is not an area where pharma has core competencies. So as a result, uh, partnering with an external company um, that does have deep domain expertise or has developed some interesting digital health it's generally the preferred path for most pharma companies. Um, and many of these you know, external digital health um, vendors are actually startups. And I think there's a number of benefits to pharma around partnering with external digital health companies. Um, first of all, these digital health companies have expertise pharma doesn't have. Um, these companies usually have specialized um, domain knowledge. They've built a specific digital health tool. And, you know, when you look at tech-savvy entrepreneurial startups, um, they tend to have a consumer bent, and they're actually generally better at developing the type of user experience and consumer-oriented uh, solution than, you know, large uh, pharma uh, companies are. The second, I think, real benefit to uh, partnering with external companies around digital health innovation is that um, these startup companies tend to really um, be more nimble. 
um, because they're small in size. They're usually much simpler, organizationally speaking, than large pharma. Digital health startups and small companies move more quickly um, and often develop products in months rather than years. And they also can make changes quickly and respond um, to feedback they get. Um, I think when thinking about external vendors um, from the pharma perspective, um, they also have more regulatory flexibility. You know, non-pharma companies aren't encumbered by the, you know, ponderous processes and regulations that generally make drug development pretty slow. Um, and also non-pharmaceutical companies um, aren't subject to the same degree of regulatory scrutiny. There's a whole body of rules for how pharma is permitted to interact with patients, um, especially uh, stringent rules outside of the U.S. And these rules simply don't apply to digital health companies. So, you know, an external digital health vendor can talk freely to a doctor and patient. And um, I think that this is really beneficial when trying to develop new innovative solutions that'll touch the patient. That's interesting. It kind of gets to I guess my uh, my follow up question, which you know related to that, which were some of the advantages for digital health startups, um, you know, in choosing to try to work with life sciences companies, really, you know, sort of comparatively to a health system or a hospital, um, just because it sounds like you know <laughs> there, there's probably a little bit more resources and there are other sort of core advantages related to regulatory pieces. Um, so it's interesting because I think that you know you talk to a lot of companies that really struggle selling into health systems and hospitals with the sales cycles and everything else. Um, and there are times when it, I guess, depending on the solution, may be more advantageous to try to work with pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a great point. I think that, you know, hospitals are good potential um, customers for some of the digital health stars, but I think pharma actually can do a lot in terms of partnership and beyond the obvious resources that, you know, like money, which you mentioned and investments. I think that um, pharma can help digital health startups by sharing some of the expertise and understanding they have. You know, they have usually really deep expertise in particular diseases and therapeutic areas, and they really understand the unmet needs of their patients and even that the doctors may have around certain conditions. So I think pharma can share their expertise. I think they also, um, again, going back to this notion of, you know, the regulatory process um, where there are regulatory requirements that would apply to um, the solution being proposed, pharma often can help digital health startups navigate the regulatory uh, environment. Digital health startups can, you know, leverage and learn from pharma's well-established processes around, you know, healthcare industry specific details. Um, and that includes things like um, CPT coding, thinking about payer reimbursement. So I think for, for startups that they don't have to reinvent uh, the wheel or invest heavily internally in developing regulatory expertise, but really can look to a pharma partner uh, to help them sort of uh, leapfrog uh, to where they're going. And then I, I think one more um, sort of major benefit from the startup's perspective to partnering with a pharma company is that um, potentially the startup can access a pharma's substantial sales and marketing network. 
you know, selling products into the healthcare system can be really tough. Um, there are all sorts of physician practice models, different types of provider, um, procurement processes. It's just, it's not uh, an easy market to sell into. And, you know, it's also just hard to get doctors' attention in uh, the busy marketplace today. But pharma's been pretty darn good at all of that. And so, you know, where startups often lack infrastructure needed to reach customers and have trouble scaling up, this is something that pharmaceutical companies have done well. So I think teaming with pharmaceutical companies, tapping into their extensive marketing infrastructures and distribution channels can really help digital startups get traction much faster than they could if they were on their own. So, you know, to summarize, I think the benefits of partnership are resources, are um, disease and regulatory expertise, and channel access that uh, pharma can bring to um, digital health startups. Well, that's, yeah, that, that, those, <laughs> those three reasons definitely are compelling. Um, wanted to jump forward uh, to a topic, which I, th I think something you said um, is pretty relevant here when you talked about um, you know, life sciences and pharmaceutical companies assessing the benefit and I guess potentially the ROI of digital health uh, for, for their specifically, you know, their, their business models. Um, in a recent article in, in Moby Health News, you talked about digital solutions making traditional therapies more effective and that patients prefer a combination of drug plus digital therapies over drugs or, or medications alone. Um, this is something that we bat around internally a lot as we think about the future of pharma. Um, how do you see life sciences, uh, their, their primary offering in 10 years? And I'm specifically kind of getting at, is it, is it more of a primary focused on, on medications with a care management component, a software digital health component, or is it primarily care management with a medication component? And I know that's kind of a fundamental shift, but I'm curious to get your take on it. Wow. That, that's a really uh, great question. So I, I do first think that the industry is going to be quite different and, you know, that we're in the midst of a digital health revolution um, right now. So your question is, you know, I think, will pharma be providing care plus medication or medication plus care? And, and I think in the end, pharma will continue to provide um, solutions to patients and that the, at the core, there'll be a medication um, or a therapy. But I think almost all of these medications in the future will be combined with digital health solutions that address a patient's needs more comprehensively. And I think, you know, these digital solutions will address side effects. They'll help with medication adherence. Um, let me let me share a couple of examples of uh, what I think the future will look like. And some of this is even starting to happen today. I think um, in the future, we'll see um, drugs being offered along with virtual care um, platforms and tools. So um, drugs for congestive heart failure, as an example, might come with home monitoring so that it's possible to track the impact of the drug and to keep a patient from retaining fluid that might um, necessitate a trip to the emergency department. So you won't just be getting a drug, but you'll get in, be getting a drug plus a service that helps uh, track how you're doing. 
I think we'll also see drugs plus digital therapies for side effects. So um, as an example, uh, multiple sclerosis drugs might come with uh, a digital antidepressant, uh, uh, an app or a um, web-based solution that helps them manage or ideally even treat the depression that is so common uh, in, that in that patient population. Um, another example that I think we, we, we will be seeing are wearables that help a patient know when they actually need to take their drugs. So um, uh, epileptic drugs might come with a wearable that would indicate when an attack might be imminent and the patient can get someplace safe and, and take a drug to hopefully ward off um, that attack. And then I think we'll also see um, a lot more uh, many more tools that will help you uh, take your drug properly and at the right time. So all sorts of medication reminders, but also more smart caps and smart blister packs um, that indicate when a drug's been taken to help with medication adherence. And, you know, there are um, ingestible microsensors now being developed to put on pills to track when a patient is, when, when a pill is actually taken uh, by a patient. So I, I think that we're going to see drugs absolutely still be the core offering by pharma, but it'll really be drugs plus digital solutions. I like to call it D&D, &D, drugs and digital. And, you know, at the core, pharma will still be uh, our source for new medications. But I think what we think of in terms of patient solutions and value to patients will be much more than uh, just the chemical compound. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really interesting to think about that evolution, especially as pharma starts to figure out how that digital component fits into their core business. Um, you know, along those same lines, as, you know, pharmaceutical companies, as you said, you know, remain sort of with a core medication component, but this sort of virtual care or maybe a digital therapeutics or digital care plan component that goes along with it. Um, one of the challenges that we... I've heard about and seems to be increasingly on people's minds relates to unifying the digital patient experience when many patients uh, are, are, you know, you mentioned epilepsy, you talk about diabetes, congestive heart failure, you kind of name it. Most of those patients are polypharmic. They're on multiple medications um, and those medications may be developed by different companies. Um, have you thought about or do you have a kind of an answer for how pharmaceutical companies start to address the challenge of unifying the digital patient experience, um, you know, given the world where, where most patients take more than one medication? Well, I think you're painting a great picture of what the future should look like, um, but I think we're really still in the early phases, and there are, you know, all sorts of patient apps out there, many of which are not, you know, even optimized. Um, and I, I would say even that there's probably too many out there doing pretty much the same thing. So, um, you know, the onus is really still on the patient or the doctor to try to figure out what the best app is or which tool to use and what's appropriate for a patient. Um, and certainly no solution yet has emerged as a unified uh, application that helps with symptom management and medication adherence and episode prediction and virtual care. 
Um, my expectation of how the um, industry will unfold is that I think over the next few years, we'll start to see or at least get more clarity around what the best of breed is in each of these categories. So there'll be, you know, fewer apps and it'll become, you know, clearer and patients and doctors will begin to flock probably to one or two apps or solutions in each of the disease areas or with each of these functionalities. And I think once we start getting some clarity around the best of breed, that we'll start seeing some partnerships. Um, and so we'll begin to move toward more a unified um, digital uh, support system for patient. I think, you know, hopefully we'll see, you know, good medication management tools coupled with episode prediction tools. I mean, you can see some natural partnerships um, evolve once it becomes clear sort of who's winning and what works the best. So I'd say maybe in five years, if I had to make a prediction, we'll start to see more unified healthcare apps. And I can't wait. I think it's going to be, you know, a great uh, thing for patients and doctors and the industry uh, broadly. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, and it will certainly be an interesting evolution uh, to see how we all get there <laughs> um, and how, how this all, how, how all these technologies that are so much closer to the patient, so much closer to the customer, how they all um, sort of work together with existing care and, and new care models. So it will be interesting. Um, I wanted to, wanted to talk a little bit about uh, drug prices and a, a lot of the talk, um, you know, regulatory or, or politically about lowering drug prices. Um, wondering if you have any thoughts on how digital health companies and life sciences companies could work together to make that happen, that happen being lowering uh, drug prices. Or is the collaboration simply a way to accelerate innovation and increase the efficacy of pharmaceuticals? So does it have a tie to lowering prices or is it more of a optimizing care? And maybe those are tightly related. So I, I truly believe that drugs and digital combinations are a great, great way to bring more value to the patient and in almost all cases actually lower the overall cost of care. Um, if you look at, you know, so three areas within digital health, patient care, you can see that each one of them brings value and has the potential to reduce costs. I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through you know, the three areas that, that come to mind. First of all, uh, medication adherence um, that is really supported and driven by digital tools. So, you know, medication and adherence really can improve outcomes. And, you know, for many conditions, when a patient is more adherent, they have, you know, fewer severe episodes. Again, I'm thinking of congestive heart failure, uh, you know, blood pressure, all sorts of conditions, um, asthma. And when that happens, when patients are more compliant, all the stakeholders, um, the doctors, the pharmaceutical companies, and the payers, they all benefit when patients take their medications. And I think that actually medication adherence is really one of the holy grails in healthcare, getting patients to take their medications at the right time with the right dosage for a condition can really save costs and um, you know, improve patient outcomes. So I think medication adherence is absolutely an area that, that can help actually save money. I think that the second area that, that's interesting um, where there's an opportunity for more uh, value to patients and potential cost savings is the digital diagnosis and prediction area. You know, while in the short term, diagnosis and prediction tools may actually result in patients using more drugs, this is still a cost savings to the system and again, results in better outcomes for the patient. So again, by example, you know, 
prophylactically taking medication that will avoid an asthma attack um, that, you know, um, that may mean that the patient takes some more drugs at a certain time, but that's really uh, value enhancing for the patient and for the payer because the net result is a lower cost for the overall episode or no episode and particularly no episode that's expensive like a trip to the emergency department. So helping a patient get to a safe place for an epileptic attack is, is another example where I think you know, um, a digital diagnosis or predictive tool could really improve the lives of patients and potentially save money because, you know, the patient is in a safe environment and doesn't have any other uh, complications from uh, an epileptic attack. So I think digital diagnosis and prediction tools also have uh, strong potential to uh, help us save money. And then I think the, the third area, and you know, probably one of the most innovative uh, within digital health, is um, the area of digiceuticals. And these are actually digital therapies where a patient, um, you know, gets treated for a condition uh, and using a digital therapy rather than a traditional pharmaceutical um, uh, solution. So I think that, you know, when we look at the value of um, these digital apps and services that treat conditions, they can either be complementary to medication or they may even have the potential to substitute for medication. So, you know, they're complement an example of a complementary digiceutical would be a pain management app that sort of, you know, goes along with pain medication that a patient might be taking after surgery so they don't need quite as much medication or they, you know, may be able to heal more quickly because of the benefits of the digiceutical. Um, I think in terms, uh, just to give an example of a substitutive uh, digiceutical, um, there are, are digiceuticals now that uh, propose uh, or, or offer a treatment for uh, attention deficit disorder, ADHD, and, um, you know, kids could use these apps rather than uh, taking a medication. And, you know, digiceuticals are really uh, innovative and they are certainly much cheaper to manufacture than drugs. It's you know, quicker and faster and cheaper to write a piece of software than it is to develop and bring a pharmaceutical to market. The digiceuticals have no side effects, much uh, easier to regulate and to test. Um, you know, they aren't ingested. And, you know, patients actually like them and are more likely to be adherent because they can be um, administered in the privacy of their own homes. So I think digiceuticals clearly will drive improved outcomes and lower the cost of health care. So I, I think we're going to see digital health solutions that bring value in addition to medication. I think that their complementary and synergistic effects of digital health with medications are really a net win for patients, for pharma, and also for the payers. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And the, the examples you gave are, are, are definitely compelling in that arena. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, life sciences and, and some of the benefits that, that digital technologies hold for them, uh, potential benefits they hold for them. Uh, we talked about, you know, development internally and externally. Um, I'm curious uh, your thoughts on if you were kind of advising or, or speaking to a group of developers um, or, or even, you know, developers are at a, at a potential startup or even within an innovation group, uh, you know, what advice you would give them, 
on uh, potential areas to focus on or problems to try to solve um, based on you know your experience and insight in the market? Are there specific things that you would uh, tell people to focus on? I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about that. So I think that, you know, um, as I mentioned earlier, there's huge opportunity in uh, the medication adherence space. And that's very, um, it, it's a broad field and can apply to many different therapeutic areas. So I, I think that's an exciting um, area. I think also virtual care, telehealth, remote delivery of care um, is going to really transform our experience um, in healthcare. And there's actually a lot of innovation already happening there. I would advise developers that are interested in more disease-specific uh, areas, um, whether it's for diagnosis or prediction or even a digiceutical, that they be sure they really understand um, the condition and the unmet need uh, of the patients. And I think, you know, where possible, take advantage of the deep industry expertise that we're seeing uh, that pharma has because they've been thinking about uh, patients in these areas and, and look for, for partnerships. I always encourage um, developers and innovators to make sure that they are addressing a real need and a, a real challenge. And heavens knows there's a lot of them uh, in healthcare. So just be sure to you know, focus on something that will make a difference and to your earlier question will add value and, and lower cost and hopefully also improve the patient experience. Yeah, that's, that's a good insight as well. Um, one last question related to that. Uh, for companies that are looking to test uh, you know, digital software or, or different types of digital technologies on the life sciences, the pharmaceutical market. Um, are there, is, would you have any advice in terms of specific groups uh, or roles that they might target at those organizations who are maybe looking for, uh, looking to learn about and potentially pilot new digital technologies? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, piloting is so critical, um, and I think it's really important to work with folks who can give you feedback and are interested in the solution and working with you. Um, I think that certainly on the provider side, um, academic medical centers tend to be uh, pretty focused on innovation, and it's often not so difficult to find a clinician that will be a clinical champion and partner um, with uh, a startup that, that wants to um, try out uh, their solution in a patient population. I would just, you know, um, encourage startups to make sure you have a strong clinical champion inside the organization. They can help you navigate, um, figure out how to get all the paperwork done, what to expect um, in terms of start date, what additional um, requirements or regulations um, need to be addressed. And I would just, um, you know, also uh, encourage startups to have very honest conversations with um, providers in terms of what to expect around timing. I think that um, startups tend to want to move fast, do things quickly, get information, get done, get in, get out. I think both providers and pharmaceutical companies uh, operate on a different time uh, scale. So not much you can do in terms of making pharma or even providers move more quickly, but I think being aware um, of what their um, 
timeframes are uh, can be helpful in terms of setting expectations. But I think there's a, a whole world of opportunity out there for um, startups to bring new uh, digital ideas into the market and that they should be um, seeking out pharma for expertise and advice and working with providers um, to get to patient populations and to bring these new ideas forward to us. Okay, thank you uh, so much, Dr. Freed. I, I think that those are all of the questions that, that I have for you. This has been, <laughs> I, I, was, I was excited about this interview and this has been incredibly uh, insightful information. Um, I, we, we may have a couple minutes left. I, I don't know if there are any particular things that I may have missed uh, that you feel are, are relevant to these, uh, these topics or issues that, that you'd like to share. Um, sure. I, I think the one thing I would add to our conversation is that I think it's critical for pharmaceutical companies to actually have a digital health strategy. Uh, what we've seen or we're seeing a lot of is companies, pharmaceutical companies that are sort of experimenting and, you know, running a lot of uh, pilots, but there's sort of no connection among the activities and there's not really a plan or an approach uh, around how to take advantage of what's uh, emerging uh, in the market. And I think it really um, is beneficial um, to these large organizations to take a step back, take a deep breath and try to develop a strategy that speaks to their patient population, their strategic goals, and not to really uh, just take uh, every opportunity that comes along, but really to be thoughtful and selective and strategic in thinking about where to place their bets. And I think if they do that, they will see more value uh, coming back to them um, from um, smaller investments, and they will gain experience as well as critical partnerships uh, and learn how to sort of move forward in the digital uh, health arena. I think the sort of scattershot uh, approach that we're seeing of just trying all sorts of different things um, isn't really working. And I think that um, it's slowing um, the arrival of digital health um, in the pharmaceutical world. And so I would encourage uh, big and small pharma to develop a digital health strategy and to really think about digital health strategy as part of the drug development process. That's not something you do after the drugs on the market or certainly not when, you know, a drug is nearing the end of its patent and you're trying to just figure out how to extend uh, the life by, you know, adding a digital um, companion at that point, but really to think about what a digital strategy would be when the drug is in phase three and when you're starting to develop your commercial go-to-market strategy, that go-to-market strategy should absolutely include um, digital uh, component. And again, that digital component should be um, customized depending on what the drug is, what the patient's unmet need is, how the drug is taken. But I think a digital strategy has got to be part of every uh, drug's um, uh, life cycle and should be um, really on the minds of pharma today. Yeah, I said I didn't have any more questions. And then based on what you said, I have another question. <laughs> um, so, I, so I'm curious, you, you called out, because we've seen this a little bit on the other side, you called out the need, and I, I really couldn't agree more, for uh, pharma companies to develop a, a digital strategy. Um, and then, you know, fit what they do when it comes to digital within that strategy. 
Um, I'm curious if you see the same need on the hospital and health system side in terms of developing a, a, a more overarching digital strategy. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think obviously hospital strategy looks different uh, than pharmaceutical strategy. Um, the digital health strategy on the pharma side, uh, excuse me, on the provider side, really um, has more to do with increasing care efficiency, uh, enhancing communication, and thinking about how to improve the patient experience. And these are, you know, three real uh, strengths that digital tools can bring into the provider world. So you know, making some decisions, creating some priorities uh, about where they want to go first, whether it's, you know, clinical efficiency, whether it's communication or the patient experience is a great first step for provider, provider strategy. But then going even beyond that and trying to uh, look at, you know, uh, certain patient populations, certain uh, challenges, uh, efficiency challenges within the hospital, thinking about what communication um, activities are not working optimally, um, really uh, are how providers need to think about the development of uh, a digital health strategy. Again, it's not advantageous to sort of take a scattershot approach and, you know, just try something because one doctor in a particular department thought it was interesting, but really to have a thoughtful and proactive rather than reactive approach to beginning to implement uh, digital health solutions across the hospital. Okay. Yeah, that's great. This is, this is, this has been wonderful. Um, well, uh, Dr. Fried, I, I, uh, Naomi, I really, really greatly appreciate your time and your insights today. I think this has been a great conversation. Um, and just, just thank you for taking the time. Well, thank you, Travis, for inviting me. It's been a pleasure talking with you. You asked some really good, uh, thoughtful, and some even very hard questions. So uh, thank you for the, the chance to, to chat with you. I am passionate and so excited about uh, the digital health revolution for both the pharma and the provider side. And I really appreciate the chance to, to chat with you about this today. Great. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. You've been listening to the Healthcare Innovators Podcast. Subscribe today.